So again, we talked about that last week. What is the role of the gospel in the kingdom? That it is the proclamation. Instead of uh, some steps for life, it's, it's a proclamation of a victory that's taken place. Of God's victory in the greatest war this creation has ever seen. And so with that understanding, then we ask the next question. Well, then what is the message of the gospel? And so I want to give you kind of just a little, a little quick preview of where we're going for the rest of this course. What we're going to do starting tonight is we're going to look at what I call threads of the gospel. We're going to look at four, four distinct threads of the gospel. They're themes of the gospel that you see woven throughout the tapestry of the New Testament and the Old Testament. So there are God, man, Christ, and response. God, man, Christ, and response. And so then uh, we're going to as we're going to take each one of those in turn, and then what we're going to do after that is we're going to look at a couple of different methods for sharing the gospel, um, a couple of different gospel tracks and things like that, and we're going to play spot the threads. Okay, so we're going to because one of the things that we all that I get questions about is how do I know which gospel track is the right gospel track? Well. There may not be just one, right? We're, we're always looking for that silver bullet, right? <laughs> like, what's the surefire? What's the one I put it in their hand? They're going to get saved. Well, that's, that doesn't exist, right? Because this is, this is in the Lord's hands. The battle belongs to the Lord. The Lord is the one who gets salvation, not just you follow these steps and they'll get saved every time. So, um, but again, we want to know what's, what distinguishes a good gospel track from a bad gospel track, or maybe just an incomplete gospel track even. And so I'm convinced that understanding these threads helps us to spot the, the, the better ones from those that are maybe are not as helpful. All right. Um, and so then as we kind of wind down the course, then we're going to talk about just some practical things. And then we're going to have some practice sharing the gospel with each other. That's the goal, right? I, I don't want this to be a whole bunch of like, we're going to learn about the gospel, but we're never going to gain any practical experience in sharing the gospel. I got to take a class, uh, a course called Evangelism Explosion. Anybody ever, anybody remember that? The two diagnostic questions, things like that. Um, one of the best things about that was having a, a witnessing buddy in that class. And, and then as we learned about different things, then we would take time and share the gospel with each other gain practical experience and even getting practice at like answering objections and things like that right so that's where we're going okay because I, I don't just want you to know about the gospel I want you to I want you to leave this course feeling better equipped to actually be able to share the gospel okay so tonight we're looking at gospel threads and we're looking specifically at God uh, and so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this thread but then I, I want to also just kind of just let you know that there's a there's a book that I'm using that has been tremendously helpful to me over the years, and I, I forgot to bring it with me tonight, but it's a book called Helping Children Understand the Gospel. It's by a group called Truth78. It used to be called Children Desiring God, the part of the children's ministry of John Piper's church in, Beth, in Bethlehem Baptist Church in, in uh, Minnesota. Um, wonderful book because it, it has two major sections. One, there's the uh, kind of developmental psychology, um, uh, without getting too psychology-ish, um, about how children develop and their their ability to comprehend. And so, uh, what does that look like as far as you know 
as they grow older and what you can reasonably expect in terms of interacting with them with the gospel. And then the second half is kind of a, a ten-part understanding of the gospel with illustrations and things like that. And so I, I took that as a, as, a, as a seminary student, turned it into a ten-week series on, uh, on the gospel with middle schoolers. We actually used that here, I believe, Richard and, and uh, Corey, and then they used that ten-point series uh, with the youth and got the youth to memorize a 10-point gospel presentation, friends. That's pretty awesome. All right? So um, so I want to challenge you with the same thing. Um, so let's get into it now. The good news of the gospel really in, in, uh, involves four basic elements. God, man, Christ, and response. As we begin talking about God, um, we want to talk about God first. Because this is where the Bible begins, right? The Bible begins, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Also, as Paul is sharing the gospel in Acts chapter 17, this is where he starts. Did you know that? So I want us to look there real quick. Um, so you see there in your notes, content, and then you'll see uh, where to begin, right? Acts chapter 17, verse 31, it says... Um, Paul is there sharing the gospel, and he's really trying to get these people to understand Jesus' resurrection. This is a, a really neat story, in the, uh, and we can talk more about this hope, hopefully later on um, as we get to more practical things about sharing the gospel. Um, but Paul's goal is that he wants them to understand the resurrection of Jesus. You see that there in verse 31. It says, Because he, God, has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. By a man whom he has ordained. And he has given assurance of this to all by raising him, this man that he has ordained, from the dead. So, who is he talking about? Jesus, right? So, he's talking about Jesus and the resurrection. Um, And so, there's a little bit of confusion here. Um, He seems to be preaching unknown divinities. So, uh, because he's using Jesus, which is a masculine noun, and then... uh, Oh, what is it? Anastasis, with the, the Greek word for resurrection, which is a female uh, female noun. So he's saying, oh, multiple gods and goddesses, just like us here in Greece. Hey, he's just preaching another set of divinities. This is, this is not really something that's all that different. So Paul says, hold on, I'm going to back up and start over again. And so he starts talking about just God. Uh, and so, but I want you to see this there. Acts, so we see in uh, seventeen thirty one, and then he dropped. But let's drop back to verses twenty four and twenty five, because in order to understand, understand the resurrection, Paul knew that people needed first to understand who God is. So somebody read for me verses twenty four and twenty five there in Acts seventeen. The God who made the world and all things in it, since He is the Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. Amen. All right, so what is Paul beginning with here? He's beginning with with God. And he's beginning with God as, and you see this there in your notes, God is the sovereign creator of all things. God is the sovereign creator of all things. Okay? So everything tonight is going to be about God, his role in creation, right? His role really over and above creation, um, and his character, okay? So first we're going to see God as the sovereign creator of all things. So again, A, letter A under that, God created all things. That's that's not a big jump for us, right? So uh, let's look at Isaiah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Let's look at uh, Romans 11. 
33 through 36. Romans 11, 33 through 36. We're going to look at a bunch of scripture tonight. And I'm going to be relying on a lot of audience participation. Romans 11, verses 33 through 36. Paul is, Paul is uh, uh, kind of giving a sample of, of the gospel that he preaches to the church there in Rome. He's gone through a really difficult section of the book here talking about about doctrines of election and how does how do how do, God, how do we know that God's promises are still uh, are still worth trusting in if 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 it seems like Israel is not trusting in God and so he's he's dealt with all that in an amazing fashion and what even after what we would think would be really difficult doctrine it doesn't bother him it leads him to praise and so in Romans eleven thirty three thirty six he says this who can read that for us Bob go for it. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Mm. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. Right? I love that. Like... All this difficult doctrine, he says, it doesn't bother God, right? All the depth of the riches, the wisdom and the knowledge of God, right? How unsearchable are his ways. We could never exhaust them, right? And then he says this beautiful thing there in verse 36. For from him, through him, and to him are all things, right? God is, God is the, he's the giver of the gospel. He is the gift of the gospel. He's the goal of the gospel. All things from him, through him, and to him. Amen? All right. Well, then well, let's look specifically, uh, a little more specifically now. Isaiah 44, verse 24. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. Amen. All right. So, you see some blanks there in your notes. Let's look back and let's kind of uh, do a little expositing on this passage, right? So, we see, again... Uh, what specifically has God made based on this one verse? You, right? You, the heavens, and and the earth. There's not a lot that's left out there, right? Right? You, making it very, very personal, and then the heavens and the earth. And there's really, again, there's, that's pretty much it. So, um, so, but now I want you to look at how. How did he do these things? All by himself. And what else did he say? He stretched them and spread them out. That's right. Well, see, he says all alone and by himself. All alone, by himself. Did God need to cash in on a favor to be able to do these things? No. He doesn't need help. He's got it. All right? And so with that then... Extending from this idea, and we've got to see this connection, okay? Because God created all things, therefore God is alone sovereign. God is sovereign. And it's not like, how sovereign is He? It's, He is sovereign, right? Okay? So, we see that there, that word there, sovereign. Go ahead and, if you want to, somebody can go ahead and look up uh, Psalm 24, verses 1 through 2. And then Psalm 22, verse 28. Psalm 21, 
uh, sorry, 24, verses 1 and 2, and then Psalm 22, verse 28. So that word sovereign, that word sovereign means to have supreme or ultimate power. Okay? So I want you to see this progression. Okay? God created everything that exists. Okay? We've already seen that, right? Let's follow, let's make a logical argument based on that. So we have God created everything exists. He owns everything he created. And you see that there in your notes, right? He, he owns everything he created. And again, what did he create? Everything, okay? So let's look there at Psalm 24, verses 1 through 2. Who can read that? Oh, John? Is that more than all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. All right, so... Thank you, John. So let's think about this. Just fill in the blank time here. The what? The earth and all its fullness. Right? The earth and, or I think ESV says everything in it. Right? The earth and all its fullness belongs to God. Okay? If we got that one, then why? Why? Because he what? He he created it. He founded it, you could say. He established it. But those are all words showing creation, right? He's the one who made it. So all of it belongs to him because he made it all, okay? All right, now let's look at, let's look at the next one. So we've said God created everything that exists. God owns everything he created. Therefore, he is king over everything he owns, Okay? He is king over everything that he owns. Somebody look up Psalm 22, same chapter there. Uh, well, this is, this is verse 28, all right? It may, I can't remember if I fixed that typo in the notes. It's supposed to be 28, not 18. So if, if, I, if, you, if you don't see the problem, wonderful, then I fixed it, all right? Psalm 22, 28. For kingship belongs to the Lord God, and he rules over the nations. Amen. Right? So... The kingdom or the kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nations. We've already seen why. Why? Because he owns everything. Because he created everything. All right? So what does this mean? This means, and you see these three statements there at the bottom, it means God made you. Not just, not just the skies and the seas and the stars and the trees. He made you and me. Right? So he made you. Second statement means you belong to him. Right? Not only did God make you, he, he owns you. Which is a weird thing for us to say, right? It, it kind of grates on us a little bit. But it's true. We belong to him. We are his creatures. Okay? So you belong to God and then God is your ruler. He is your king. Any word for authority right there, you can put that. Whatever you feel like putting there. But it's true. God is your ruler. Okay? God made you. You belong to God. God is your ruler. Okay? So that's the first thing I want us to see about God. Second thing I want us to see about God is this. Number two, God created people. And he created people for his glory. God created people for his glory. So, and we're going to break that statement apart like we often do. Uh, Letter A there, God created people. 
God created people. Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27 tells that story, right? It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All right? So what do we see from this? You and I were created in God's what? Image. 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 Now, what does that mean then to be created in God's image? There are so many things that we could say about that, right? First of all, it does not mean that we were made physically to look like him because God is spirit, right? So that's not what it means. And so the way that I, exper- that I explain it to children, and sometimes maybe this is the best place to start, Right? The way that I explain it to children is that God gave you a mind to know him with and a heart to love him with. A mind to know him with and a heart to love him with, right? A mind that can learn about God, a heart that can love God. Now, he he made you in his image, why? For his glory. So let's talk about that. What What does glory mean? Right? So we can see in, in the scriptures, we see that it can mean great honor or fame. We see that there in Isaiah 42, verse 8. For I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Right? Our God, he will not share his glory with another. Why does he, what, how much glory are we talking about? All of it. All of it. Right? Right? So another way that we can, another definition we see for glory, and this is where we see that, this word play uh, for God's glory uh, throughout the scriptures, it's bright light. Bright light. We see that there in John 1.14, right? John 1.14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen or we have beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Man, that's good. Right? To think that, as John says in John chapter 1, that the Word, right, the Word of God that created everything that exists, nothing exists that He didn't create in Him was life, that life is the light of men, the light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot extinguish it. And the Word became flesh. Jesus, being fully God, took to Himself a human nature, right? Not just God with skin on, but He took to himself an additional nature so that he is 100% God, yes, and he is 100% man. He is the God-man, right? But we're going to get there, right? That's a couple of weeks when we get to the thread about Christ. So, But we see this, though. We see God's glory. We see his glory through his word when we, when we read it, right? We behold his glory, 2 Corinthians 3 talks about how we behold His glory through His Word. As we look longingly, lastingly at Him, we are changed to be made more like Him. That is good. Man, I I don't know of any other book that can do that. Do you? I I don't. Um, So here we go. Let's keep moving. So bright light. And then Matthew 17, 1 through 8, that is a long passage. We don't have time to go through that. But this is the Mount of Transfiguration. This is where they see Jesus uh, transform his image 
basically like he pulls back the curtains and they see his glory. And he even has like Moses and Elijah standing there with him, right? I always wonder like, how do they know? Like, that's Moses. Like, was he holding the tablets? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know how that works. But, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, all right. So next thing we see there, we see that we talk about glory. God is, and this is the word you need to fill in there. God is worthy of glory. He is worthy of glory. And we see that there in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. I wonder if any of you still remember that from when we memorized the verses from the gospel. Anybody? Worthy are you, O Lord, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. It is, that is good, right? What a wonderful verse for sharing the gospel. You want to show all of who God is in that moment, at least basic understanding? That's a great place to start. I think actually that's what we do in our gospel track that we print here at the church. Um, So again, you see that there. God is worthy of glory. And using this image or this this word picture of, of glory as bright light and fame at the same time, next point is you are made for the purpose of reflecting his character. God made you to reflect his character. You're like a mirror, right? This means that I was made to reflect him. I was made to reflect his character to all the world, his attributes, his person, his dominion. I was made to be like a mirror that shows all the world that he, uh, of what he is like. This is why God gave Adam and Eve dominion over the earth. It was to reflect the dominion that he has over the entire universe. This is why he told them to multiply and to fill the earth. God desired the reflection of his glory in all the world. Isn't that good? I remember there's a, there's a band called Salvador. Love. It sounded a lot like, they're kind of like a, a mix of like Santana and Chicago. Like just great music. So he, there was this song, there was a song that they, they play. It was called, uh, I think it was called, uh, like, I man, like, I can't remember, but the, the, the chorus goes, I, um, I want to be like the moon because it reflects the sun. Uh, and so, but the words was, of course, spelled S-O-N. As, as a lot of late 90s, early 2000s Christian music, there's a lot of that really fun wordplay there. Um, it's so good. Um, where am I? Yep, okay. Get me. I'm talking about music again. Um, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. You're made to reflect God. Make, reflect God's character. To reflect who He is. Uh, and that, again, this is why we why we see the command to be fruitful and multiply to fill the earth with God's glory. Right. Um, so then, how can we give God glory? We'll, we'll talk more about His character in just a minute. Um, but how can we give God glory? We see that there in First Corinthians ten thirty one. Somebody look that one up, as well as Colossians 3.17. Okay? 1 Corinthians 10.31 and Colossians 3.17. Okay? Here we go. So first of all, we see um, how can we give God glory? By obeying His commands. By obeying His commands. We see that there in in 10.31. Go ahead, Travis. Whether then you eat or drink, Whatever you do, do all the glory of God. Yeah, do all things to the glory of God. 
All right. And we'll talk more about the relationship with uh, between God's God's commands and His holiness in just a minute. Okay. All right. So obeying His commands, and then secondly, we obey His commands in a way that honors Him. In a way that honors Him. Colossians three seventeen. Amen. All right, so we obey His commands in a way that honors Him. All right? So again, we see God is the sovereign creator of all things. We see God created people for His glory. Third, we see God is holy and righteous. God is holy and righteous. So let's talk about definitions first. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. 1 John 1, 5. I'll read those quick for us. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, He is the rock. Right? Not Dwayne Johnson. His work is perfect, because Dwayne can't say that. For all his ways are justice. Uh, a God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. Right? So he is perfect. And then 1 John 1 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So from these verses, what do we see? For, for God to be perfect, it means, or for, for God to be holy, it means He is perfect in every way. He is perfect, and because He is perfect, then He is set apart from everything. There is nothing like Him. There is nothing like Him. And there is no darkness at all in Him. Alright? So holiness, then we see righteousness. Right? Being right in all thought, action, and speech. It's a great place to start when we talk about righteousness. We could talk for hours about all of the depths of what it means that God is righteous. But this is, this is, this is where it starts. Amen? Alright? So, we see, again, God is holy and righteous. Not only is God holy and righteous, since His commands come from Him, His commands are holy and righteous. And that's the next point there, B. God's commands are holy and righteous. Leviticus 19.2 and Romans 7.12. Alright, Bob? 19.2. Go for it. Uh, speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Amen. So this is Leviticus. We talked about Leviticus back in Old Testament 101, which is the giving of the law. And so in this, there being all these rules and law, the laws are being given to the people. Uh, and in them... It said, you shall be holy for I am holy. Right? So then Romans 7, 12. Therefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Amen. All right? So God's commands are holy and righteous. We were created to be holy like God. This is how we, in our, this is how we reflect God's character. Is that in all the things that we do, that we do them according to His commands. We do them uh, because He has commanded us to be holy as He is. Right? Then, So not only we're, we are created to be holy like God, God's commands show us how to be holy like God. If you're like me, this is where I start getting a little nervous. Right? Ooh, the commands. Right? All this, oh, wow, God is awesome. This is amazing. God's, yeah, sure, God's, God's laws are holy and commands are holy and good. And, ooh, wait a minute. I, I don't really measure up to all those. Right? Hold on to that for next week. All right? So, 
Uh, so we're created to be holy like God. God's commands show us how to be holy like God. See, we must always obey all of God's commands. Right? Because what did First John tell us? That God is light. And in him there is just a little bit of darkness. Right? No. No darkness at all. And God says, you shall be holy as I am holy. So what's the standard here? Perfection. Moral perfection. Okay? Leviticus 19.37 Therefore you shall observe all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them. Why? I am the Lord. Okay? So, this is this first thread of the gospel about who God is. Right? His character, his, uh, his authority, his position in all things. He is, he is to have the preeminence. He is the uppermost of all things because he created all things. He sustains all things, right? He keeps them working according to the properties he created them with. That's, that's heavy stuff too. Um, and so then we see he is holy. All right? So now what I want to do with the, just a little bit of time we have remaining here is I want us to talk about weaving this gospel thread into the fabric of your daily life. I don't know about you. One of the things that I struggle with the most, it's not like talking about Jesus. Like, I feel like we, of our, I mean, our church, we hear God's word consistently. We, we talk about God's word together in Sunday school and Wednesday nights. And we, that we, we, once we get on the topic of Jesus, as long as, as long as like fear of man doesn't start creeping in, then we can, we can do an okay job. But for me, it's, it's getting from daily conversation to gospel conversation. Does anybody else struggle with that? Or is that just me? No. Okay. And so what I realized, what I realized, and David Platt in his ministry was really helpful for me in seeing this. Um, the problem that has, I've realized is that my normal daily conversation is a far cry from gospel conversation. And so the problem then is that I have to make the jump over. What if my daily conversation was already threaded through with threads of the gospel? Then maybe it would be a little easier to make that turn. Or maybe, maybe my daily conversation just logs right straight into the gospel. Right? And so what I want us to do is I want us to look at these, uh, some, just some ideas, right? Is this, is this more law to, uh, to, to throw on your back and say, you've got to be doing all these things? No, but here's some ideas, all right? Because that's what I need. I just need people helping me think of like, oh, yeah, I could talk about this. Oh, I could do that. Yeah, right? And so here we go. Let's talk about weaving this thread into your life. First of all, Let's just some, some, just some rules for the road or some guidelines. Maybe that's a better way considering everything we just talked about. Man, word choice. That's important. All right? Talk about God as somebody you know. That seems really weird, right? But how often do we get, we talk about God as something we know, somebody we know things about, but not somebody we know, Right? Talk about God like uh, as someone you know. Next, talk about God as someone you worship. 
adoration should be part of your, your should be part of this conversation, right? We worship him passionately, just just a few hundred feet away. But what happens when we walk out the door? It gets a lot harder to do that. And so it's this is where it's so good to be reminded that we're a part of a community, that we're carrying that that responsibility together, that we're we leave this place like we talk about each week, that we leave carrying the gospel. And not as like a noose or a burden on our backs, but it's a joy. Amen. By His grace, we now have this relationship with God. And if we love Him, that should be threaded into all of our conversations. If you have kids, you don't have any problem talking about how much you love your kids. Right? Right? I, I, the the whole thing of let, let me show you let me show you the, you know the the photo from the trip we just said we just had you know here here look here right and here's 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 the next five seconds later and, and then here's here's two seconds after that right have I told you I love my kids have I told you how much I love my kids right at the same time we have the Creator of the universe and we know Him and He has adopted us and we get to be with Him forever. And sometimes I've just been trained culturally that when I walk out this door, I leave all these things behind. Friends, we don't have to do that. And so I don't say, I don't say this to say, you should be. No, we get to. And sometimes even just thinking about it with different words like that, instead of I should, instead of I get to, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? Okay, so talk about him as someone you know, talk about him as someone you worship, and talk about him as someone that you're subject to, that you're subject to. He is, he's not just this, you know, warm, fuzzy guy that gives you bear hugs, right? He is, he's the king of all creation. And so we, there's a, we, we talk about him as someone we love and we worship, but there's also, we, there's a, there's awe and reverence. It also comes in because of who he is. He created all things. He owns everything he created. He's king over everything he owns. That means me and everything around me. Right? All right, so let's talk about God the creator. Specifically things about creating, about his creation. Talk about God's glory in creation. We talked about the weather a lot lately, haven't we? When you get to a day like today, you can say, man... What beautiful weather we're having. Look how this shows the, the, the creativity of God. How, how blue is that sky? How amazing must God be that He created these things, right? Point to His creativity. Point to His beauty. Point to His power in the things that He's made. Because they're all around us, right? The heavens are declaring the glory of God. Let's join in. All right. Also, you can talk not only about his glory and creation, but you can talk about his sustaining providence and do so in specific ways. In specific ways. Okay. So you can see that I've, I've, uh, I've, I've got a couple here. Uh, God is working in my life in this way. Right. Instead of this is happening in my life, you can say God is working in my life in this way. God is blessing me in this way. God is leading me in this direction. God is guiding me to make this decision. God is teaching me this truth. Right? 
God is showing me this realization. Right? God is showing me that my world's not all about me. That it's all about Him because He created all things. Right? So, just little things like that. Um, a friend of mine from seminary, I remember him talking about um, uh, going into a, a convenience store. And the, the gentleman that, that owned and ran the store was, uh, was a Muslim. And, um, and, so the, and so this guy, his name is Ryan, he, he had served as a missionary in the Middle East before. And so he comes in, he was talking with him. And so the guy, he's just asking questions about how his business is going. And, and he's, he's, the, guy, the shop owner's like telling him about how things are growing. And he's able to hire some more people. And he says, man, that's awesome. It sounds like God's really blessing your, your business. And then offers to pray for his business. Right? He, he prayed a little bit of a different way because uh, Muslims don't pray looking down with their eyes closed. They, play, they pray with their, with their hands open and they look toward heaven. And so Ryan, praying to the God of the Bible, but doing so in a way that is signals to this guy like, oh, he understands, but he's praying to a different God. I don't know that God. Right? So, but again, like, this is where, I mean... Just threading the gospel into daily life, right? Um, so uh, there you go, showing uh, God as the creator. Now let's talk about God, the holy and righteous one. And this is not so much about specific words that you could say as more of uh, just an attitude with, that you go into a situation with. Be confident in God even when things go wrong. Because even that attitude kind of does kind of uh, change the way that we go about our conversation, doesn't it? When things go wrong, it's so easy for us to forget the gospel, isn't it? It's so easy for us to forget the gospel. And yet, the gospel doesn't change. Even that section we saw in Romans 9 through 11, the whole point is God, Paul is showing God's word has not failed. It is not as though God's word has failed. All right, so be confident in God even when things go wrong. And then lastly, always give, con- always give credit to God as the source of everything good. In you and around you. The only thing that's good in me is Jesus. And sometimes, like, when somebody comes to me and thanks me for something, I say one of a couple of different things. Sometimes, it's, sometimes knowing the situation, it's just best to say thank you. Right? Is that being conceded in that situation? It depends on your relationship with that person. Um, but what I find myself saying most of all lately is just thank you and praise the Lord. All glory, and I don't, I don't want to do the whole Jesus juke thing and be like, um, "Excuse me." Uh, really, all thanks and prayer and praise should go to God, right? Is that right? Sure, but is that the most kind thing that you could do? No, they're saying something. They're really trying to be generous. They're really trying to be thankful. And so, what I find myself saying the most is, "Man, thank you so much. Praise the Lord." Okay. So, but again, always give credit to God as the source of everything good in you around, in around you. So when, when good things are happening around you and in, in our community, praise the Lord. And that could, be, that could be a great bridge for the gospel. Okay? So this is, this is the, the first thread, the four, first of four. We're going to talk about the next three over the next couple of weeks. Any questions?